Welcome to Fluent and Chill. I'm Fluent. He's chill. Jermaine, how you doing, man? What's up, brother? What's going on, man? You know, I love this time of year. So much stuff going on in sports. You got NBA, NFL, the baseball playoffs. You've got college football. You've got just so much going on. I love it. Today, though, we're going to talk about, we know we've been going through the decades, so we're going to talk about our 2000s all-decade team. This is the last division. We've gone through every division, so if you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. This week is the last one. It's the Southwest Division, so we're going to go through those teams and what our expectations are for them. First, though, we should probably kick it off with a little Kyrie Irving talk because, let's be honest, this has been a roller coaster because they keep changing their mind on what they're going to do. So first, I'll recap, he wasn't going to get vaccinated, so he wasn't going to play. Then they said, well, he'll, you know, he can't play home games, but they realized that 41 home games, but there's also, we've talked about this, he doesn't get to play in New York, so he can't play the games against the Knicks. California has the same law, so he can't play the Lakers, the Clippers, the, the Warriors, the Kings. So he's actually going to probably miss like 50-something games, so he's only going to play 30. Then they come out and say, well, Sean Marks makes a decision. Apparently he had a conversation with Kevin Durant as well as the coach, Steve Nash, mm -hmm. and said, hey, until you, you know, get vaccinated or the rules change, we can't have a part-time player. So that's it in a nutshell. What are your thoughts on Kyrie Irving? Is he, I don't think, listen, I hate to use this word, but is he being selfish about not just getting vaccinated and joining his team? Well, first of all, when you started to break those numbers down, the last time we talked about this with the games, and it went from part-time to 41 games to 50 games, then I'm starting to think, well, wait a minute, we can't do that. No way. There's no way we can do that. And then I'm starting to think, well, why would Brooklyn agree to that? Because as a part-time employee, I can't be paid a full-time salary. And add that to the fact that as a part-time employee, I can't be that on a professional, not on any team. I can't show up when I feel like showing up because the division that it's going to cause on the team, the cohesiveness that it's going to, that the divide that we're going to have, it's just going to be something completely different. The problem that we're having here with Kyrie Irving is his silence. Like he, he came out and started talking yesterday. Tone, you know this just as well as I do. What is perception after a while? Perception is reality. If you don't say anything to me, and this is what I this is what I'm hearing. You're leaving me to believe or to speculate. And after a while, if I speculate long enough, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna convince myself that this is what it is. Regardless of what you say later on, I'm now convinced that this is what it is. So when you tell me when you ask me, Tony, is Kyrie Irving being selfish? Well, Kyrie Irving could have gotten to the bottom of that with what he said yesterday, even though he was all over the place, he could have got to the bottom of that quickly by coming out and telling us this is what's going on as opposed to now he's not saying anything he's leaving tony to speculate he's leaving me to speculate he's leaving everybody to speculate and now it looks like you're real you're being very selfish it looks like you're not a part of the fabric of the unit and you're tearing the unit apart not to mention tone this is the same guy who how did he leave Cleveland? It was abruptly. How did he leave Boston? It was also abruptly. Here we are with the same problem in Brooklyn. It's a different problem, but it's on the same lines. It's abruptly. 
which means that the next team, do you want to get involved in this? Despite the talent that he has, how good he is, the problems that come with him, do you want to involve yourself with that? Because you, you can't just involve yourself with Kyrie Irving, the basketball player. You have to involve yourself with him as a whole. So if that's true, do you want to get yourself involved in that? So Kyrie had, when, when he came out with this speech that he came out with yesterday and explaining himself, my man, the perception of you was already out there. And not only is it already out there, it's almost impossible now for you to change it and for you to get upset about what the perception is because you could have handled this mm-hmm. a long time ago, only except you didn't. It's interesting that people would think, you know, because there was people who said, oh, part-time, that, yeah, that's great. He can play his 40 games. And like I said, it's it's less than that. It's it's probably 30 or less. And I, and I bring up scenarios. I go, just think about this. So what if Brooklyn is the one seed or the three seed? Who knows? Let's, let's say they're the one seed. Let's give them credit and say they're the one seed. And mm-hmm. they play the eight seed Knicks. So he just can't play that whole first he's round. Not, he's not available in that series. Nope. That's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And and you don't have to look far. Just look to the Clippers of a year or two ago. There was players, bench players, role players complaining that Kawhi Leonard was getting, and he's their best player, was getting, uh, you know, special treatment, load management, all that stuff. Now, it didn't happen in Toronto for that one season, but in, for the Clippers, it definitely did. And it divided that locker room. Well, that was nowhere near 50 games off and listen I don't want to call him selfish as a whole because I understand you know when you look at what he does you know buildings you know schools donating to uh, scholarships to HBCU students like he does a lot like we don't hear about that so I don't want to say he's selfish because he's very giving but in this particular case when it just to the specifics of the nets he's being selfish you know, again, to your point, we didn't know why he was doing this. Some people said it was religious. Some people said, oh, he was trying to make a statement, you know, for other people who were losing their jobs, who are unvaccinated because of their choice and their freedoms. Mm-hmm. Great. But if you're, if that's the case, if you're making this statement, this political statement or this in support of people, well, then you need to be out there beating that drum every single day and letting people hear that. Because like you said, you can't speculate on why he's doing it. Could you imagine, I know this is a very different scenario, but could you imagine if Colin Kaepernick took a knee during the anthem and everyone asked him, well, why are you doing it? And just didn't, he didn't tell him. He didn't say a word, Tom. He didn't say, because think about it, he even told them and they still spun the narrative to what they wanted and he was out talking about. So imagine when you're not talking about it. So I just, I think it's, 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 and then, you know, I don't know, you know, is he going to retire? Is he going to play? Is he just, you know, does he just give in then? And well, get he vaccinated? said that. He said, I'm not going to retire. I'm not going to let, do you think I really want to lose my job? Do you think I really want to lose money? Of course you don't want to lose money. But the problem is, is that when you have a high profile job like you have, there are certain things that you have to deal with. And one of those things that you have to deal with is public perception. You have, you cannot walk around. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care. Well, that's fine that you don't care what people think about you. We have no problem with that. But what you can't leave people to do is you can't leave people to speculate because the narrative on you is going to be something completely different and you're not going to like it. And you're going to find yourself in the position that you're in now. So I hope, listen, for the net's sake, I hope they get it straightened out for Kyrie's sake. I hope he does what makes him happy, right? If look, if his thing is, I want to stand for this and I'm going to step away from the game because of it, then, then God bless him. And I, I, you know, whatever makes you happy, go and do but let's go do it. Let's do it 100%. Let's, be, let's be not clear, sit Tom. on the fence. Yeah. That's all I'm asking. Be clear. 
So we're going to go from Kyrie and we're going to go to his coach because the first player on the 20s all-decade team is Steve Nash, uh-huh. two-time MVP. What, um, you know, I think people don't even hold him in, in still high enough regard because he didn't win a ring, didn't make a final. But one of the most underrated, when we talk about the best three-point shooters in the game, we never bring up Nash's name, almost never bring up his name. But look at how many, like, he was very consistent, deep, uh, deep threat. Uh, he was a member of the 50-40-90 club. Like, more than a, once. Right, more than once. Yeah, multiple times. Is it, why don't we give him enough credit? Because, because he's from Canada. I, I, I'm just going to call it what it is, because he's from Canada. Canada has that, quote-unquote, soft label, and I think it's nuts that we have that. Canada, Steve Nash is, Canada should never have. Have you seen hockey players? They, ever, they, they would get their ever. teeth knocked out. And they'll just spit them out and keep playing. They should never have that. <laughs> Steve, Nash, I have Steve Nash as a top five point guard all time with me. I got him. I think I got him. I got him fifth all time as a point guard. We're talking about one of the most efficient, one of the most durable, one of the best floor leaders that I have ever seen. He was very good with the. He was exceptional with the ball. That transition game that they had in Phoenix with him was the problem that we had was they kept running it. I, I said this to you in the past, Tom. Every team has a nemesis. So, for example, in the 90s, Phoenix couldn't beat Houston. Houston couldn't beat Seattle. Seattle couldn't beat Phoenix. There's your problem right there. The problem that Phoenix had was they couldn't get past San Antonio. That was it. Everybody else they could deal with just fine. They dealt with the Lakers. They dealt with that. Da- they dealt with Dallas. They couldn't get past San Antonio. And I got a lot of heat for this tone. I think in the 2006 NBA season, I think they would have smoked Miami in that finals. I don't think they would have beat Miami. I think Phoenix would have smoked them with that transition game that they had and Steve Nash at the helm. We're talking about, we're talking about a guy. We're talking about a guy who became elite right around the time when he won the league MVP, led the league in assists three straight years. was first team all NBA was arguably the best point guard in the game. Well, he shouldn't have been the league MVP in the 0506 season. Well, let's make sure that we cleared. He was 18 and 11. He was 50, 40, 90 that year. He was responsible for 44% of their offense. I can't remember the last guy who was responsible for almost half the team's offense. Steve Nash was. That means that if you take Steve Nash off that team at that time, they are they are Vancouver. They are Memphis. They are straight trash. So when I think about Steve Nash, he's absolutely an all-time great. And I think he absolutely should be on the first team. Uh, I, I, and I'm with you. I, I don't know if they beat Miami. I got to dive deeper into it. But I will say this. There's some there's some serious matchup problems there because you've got Wade. And let's be honest, a slower right version of Shaq that, you know, this wasn't prime Shaq. Would he be able to run up and down the court with those guys in their seven-second offense? Heck, Amari Stoudemire was playing center. Like that was – although Amari would have had trouble with Shaq down low, Shaq would have been – you know, hands on his knees, trying to get, they, catch a breath. I think, I think they run them out of the arena. I do. Yeah, I think they run. Right. I, I absolutely think they run them out of the arena. I'm going to try not to talk because the next player, you know, I could talk for about 45 minutes and we're trying to keep this show a little short. So the next player is my favorite player all time. He is the second greatest shooting guard all time. He is maybe people don't give him enough credit for this. And, and I got into an argument yesterday about it, and that's why I'm bringing it up. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a smarter, let me rephrase that. I don't think there's a more knowledgeable 
basketball player to ever step on the court. Now, did he always take his own advice and listen to what he knew he should be doing versus what he did? No, that's probably his biggest flaw. But could you ever, have you ever imagined someone breaking down tape and angles and, and the way Kobe Bryant did? I haven't seen it before. So when I, I use the term, I've never experienced someone with so much IQ and people like experience, then they laughed. And I said, yeah, experience, like listen to him, experience, take it in, listen to when he tells you, hey, if you see two defenders over here and one over here, you can either drive into the belly of the beast and try to shoot over two of them. You could go this way and try to take that guy a one-on-one, or you can cut it at a 45 and pull up and shoot a wide open uh, foul line jumper. Not many people look at that and be able to decipher it in the heat of the moment mm-hmm. like he did. So obviously I'm talking about Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. I have him rated much higher than you. I mm-hmm. admit I have him rated higher than even maybe he should be because mm-hmm. I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I have no qualms about saying I'm biased. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I could get away with putting him higher, I probably would do that too, but I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. So Kobe Bryant at, at the two guard, I don't think you're well, going to argue there, but. Well, how many guys since we've been talking about this, how many guys are the best player at their position for a decade? And it's indisputable. Have we talked about very few, very, very, very few 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. How many guys are the best player at their position for a decade? And it's undisputed. I don't think that let's see. We did 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. So we did five decades That's correct. off the top of my head. There's no more than probably five. Okay, so right, we got Magic Bird, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You Those can't are, even say you can't even say Chamberlain, and the reason why is because Jabal's no, running. Yeah, Bill Russell was running. Russell was running. Around. So there's and an argument. Saying, yeah, that's why I said Jerry West because Oscar Robinson was running around. So you can't say any of those guys in the '90s. You can't say it was. Could I could say Elijah. Could you say Elijah? I could say Elijah. You know how much I love Elijah. One, but Ewing was running around. Yeah, you Shaq can. Yeah, it's argument. Yeah. David Robinson was running around. You can make that argument. I can't make a legitimate argument for any – I can't make an argument for Dwayne. You could try to make an argument for Dwayne Wade in 06 or 09. Not for, not for the decade, though. Not for the decade. You, you, can't make a, you, you can't make a legitimate argument for anybody over a decade that was that good or the best player at their position. And there, there, talk- might, be, there might be one – when we start talking about the next decade, there might of be course. what there of might course. be there might be one more. But that's what I'm saying. There's maybe five, right? And he's one of them, right? Absolutely. And we're talking about a guy who was elite on both sides of the basketball. He was exceptional. He, the thing that I appreciate about Kobe Bryant, and again, we've talked about him not being in my top ten. I got him right outside the top ten at eleven. The thing that I appreciated about him the most is his knowledge and how much homework he did. Right. Because you got a lot of guys, even elite guys who they just show up. And Bryant was not that guy. Bryant was not. He was not just showing up. His attitude was, I am going to be prepared. Now, he didn't always take his own advice. That is correct. However, I am going to be prepared. You are not going to fool me with anything. If you get me with something, it's going to be because you got me. It wasn't going to be because I was shocked by it. Oh, wait a minute. I wasn't prepared for that. Yes, he was. It's just a matter of being able to get over the top of that. and Or or get outworked, right? We hear those great stories. I think it's Jay Williams mm-hmm. gives the best story where he sees Kobe in there working out and he goes in and gets his workout done and then he leaves and Kobe's still working out. Right. And when he, after the game, he sees him and he says, hey, what's up with that? And he goes, I wanted you to know 
that no matter how hard you worked, I was going to work harder. It wasn't enough. It just, it, I'll, I'll never be at work. And then Chris Bosch just recently at his Hall of Fame uh, speech says, you know, I wanted to show up. I was a young guy. I wanted to, you know, show that I was willing to put in the work. I show up early for breakfast. Kobe Bryant's sitting there already drenched in sweat because he's had a two-hour workout. And I wanted to be the first one at breakfast. Like, there's just, he was, honestly, it was almost to a fault. Like, he was manic yes. about that stuff. And, and like I said, it made him great, but it may have also... Like I said, it was it was a blessing. What about what, what about him telling Lou? What about them losing to the Jazz in that Game Five, and him him shooting all those air balls, and them going home that night, and him being in the gym till five o'clock in the morning? He didn't right. go home. Yeah, he he said, I'm never gonna let that happen again. Yeah. No, that's not gonna happen to me again. Absolutely not. Yeah. I still haven't gotten a satisfactory answer. Why this dude ain't around no more, man? I still haven't gotten that. I don't know why. I'm having such a, I mean, I know he's gone, but I still have not come to terms with why this dude ain't around him. I just, I, I just haven't come to terms with it. I, just, I um, I'm going to try not to get into this. Cause I, I'll be honest. I, I cry every time I talk about it, but I always tell, I always tell the story. I, I didn't believe it at the time. I think mm -hmm. I've told you this story before where I was sitting in line. I was getting clothes for, I think I was at the mall getting clothes for my mm -hmm. kids at old Navy. And I'm on this um, chat with all my friends uh, on our fantasy football uh, our fantasy football league, we're all on this chat. Mm -hmm. And they start talking, oh my God, Kobe Bryant, did you hear about Kobe Bryant? Now you got to remember, earlier that day, people forget this because obviously what happened with Kobe and others, I shouldn't just say just him, um, Gigi and all the, other, all the others. But um, earlier that day, a bunch of NFL teams had gotten hacked, their Twitter accounts. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the Bears had, uh, someone had said, oh, the Bears would like to officially announce that we've been purchased by this oil tycoon from saudi arabia i didn't know that and it came out a couple hours later oh you know four or five teams were hacked and and so it was fake news mm -hmm. so now fast forward an hour or two and i hear kobe bryant dies in a plane crash or a helicopter crash and of course i'm like oh another twitter hack so i didn't believe it and my my wife's in that in that text chat and she says i can't believe you're taking this so well because she knows right how i feel about code and i go taking what so well so now I'm still in line and I look up the actual news and I realize it's real. So going on. you, you got to picture this, right? I'm six foot three, 260 pounds standing in a line at Old Navy. So, you know, all the you know moms that are standing in line with me, right? I'm just this big towering guy over them and I'm crying. I'm just sitting there in line holding these little like kids clothes crying. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't, you know, I've met him, but I don't know him, right? Like we're not friends. We didn't text like, but I mean, I felt like I knew him. Like I felt like he was part of my family, right? It was just, it was tears, man. And I just, you know, it's like how people, you know, say Tupac's still alive. You know, right. Biggie's still alive. It's one of those where I'm with you. Like I just, yeah, I can't. So I, I want to move on because I don't want to get emotional. Right. And, and, and we got a time limit here. So the next one up, another under, this guy's underrated. I'm sorry. He, the run that they had in 2011, everybody wants to talk in the finals about, oh, James, Listen, do you know the teams that the Dallas Mavericks went through to get to that final against Miami? Dirk Nowitzki was the sole superstar. Now, great role players around him in Jason Kidd and Tyson Chandler and J.J. Barea and Jason Terry. I, mean, I shouldn't have put J.J. Barea in there as a great role player. But, uh, but there, was, there was a team of guys bad, who, who did their bad. job, who did their job. Mm -hmm. But, man, Dirk, that was Dirk. That was Dirk, right? Well, you look at Dirk and – he, he revolutionized the Euro because before Dirk, it was Detlef Shrimp 
and it was Tony Kukoc. And then Dirk shows up. Because before Dirk, you know, these guys are stretching the defense. These guys are putting the ball on the floor. There's the six foot ten uh Euro who can play on the perimeter, but it wasn't that well received. It was still, you know, the Euros, they soft and they're not equipped for the NBA game. That's why Kukoc was coming off the bench. Even though Kukoc was the best bench player in the game at that point, it still wasn't something that was translating yet. But then you had Dirk Nowitzki. Here's this seven-foot guy who not only is he doing what Kukoc was doing, he's doing what Detlef Shrimp is doing. They're actually building the unit around him. Yeah, so he, was, he was the first Euro kind of superstar that they built a team around. That's right. Important. Yeah, they're absolutely they're building the unit around him. And not only are they building the unit around him, he's improving every year. He's stretching the defense more. His ability to get to the basket, his ability to put the ball on the floor, his ability to play in transition, a guy of that size. Now, I wasn't that much of a fan of his ability to rebound because I looked at a guy at that size. I would have liked to see him Dirk rebound a little bit more, but that's neither here nor there. However, him revolutionizing the game at that size and him being a Euro and now bringing all the Euros in to go, okay, so we can actually, excuse me, we can actually play like this. Not only can we play like this, we can build our unit around a guy like this. So now he became the prototype. And before Dirk, I mean, I know that Kevin Durant said Vince Carter is his, his favorite player, but if there's no Dirk, I don't know if there's a Vince Carter. I don't know if there's a Kevin Durant. I don't know if there's big threes like that. Right. Dirk Allow, allowing the seven-footer to ball handle and yes. shoot. Yes, Dirk right. revolutionized that. Absolutely he did. Yeah, Kevin Durant would have not been a happy camper if they put said, hey, you're a center, go post up. Oh, um, you got to play the four. Or you got to play – yeah, it would have been a very different, different game. Yeah. The next forward, my friend, I'm going to say this, and I don't know if I'm going to get an argument or pushback from this, but I'll, I'll start by saying this. Two-time MVP, two-time finals MVP, 10-time All-NBA, 10-time All-Defense. He's the greatest power forward of all time. Tim I Duncan. just, I, I, and I get a lot of heat because I have him in, in my top 10 and I have him ahead of some people. And I have him in my top 10 as well. Yeah. I got him in my top 10 and I got him ahead of some people. And when was Tim Duncan ever the best player? Well, the problem with Tim Duncan is, is he's vanilla. And if you're not a student of the game, hey, big fundamental, paying. like just right. that says it all, right? He, 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 you're not paying attention. Tony, there was plenty of times early in his career when I was watching him and I was. But yeah, but, you, yeah but you wake up and he had 40. <laughs> right, Tony, I would see the box score and it reads 27, 14, and four blocks. And I'm thinking, hello, you might want to wake up and pay attention to this dude. He's awesome. He didn't do a lot of extracurricular things. Tim got right to the point. He had a money mid-range game. He was in. He was a superior defender. He was a superior rebounder. He was the epitome of doing exactly what works. I don't have to do it. Whatever, whatever works. This is what I'm doing. I don't have to do anything else. If 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 tonight we just if tonight the jump hook works, that's all I'm giving you. And I'll do this. I'm not going to do this two or three times. I'll do this all night long. All night. You know, and, I just. I just, I always hear, I know we talked about Kyrie a little earlier. I always hear Uncle Drew's voice every time he would turn around on the block. I'd always hear, backboard. <laughs> like it just, it's that old man at the YMCA who just never misses off the backboard. And you're like, how did he do it? That's kind of his game. But, man, you know, you talk about when was he the best. Here's the thing. 
if you're the number one player in the NBA, let's say three out of 10 years, but the other seven, you're number two, you're number five, you're number seven, versus you're number three every single year, year. that consistency does mean something. You know, just because you're not one, if, if I could, you know, I would, I get into this thing too. What did this person or that player ever do the best? Like they don't, you don't have to be the best at everything to be the best player. So I might not be do anything number one, but if I do everything number three, guess what? I'm better than you who only does this one thing really exceptional. And right. now some people argue with that, but that's the way I, I look at it. it it's so, not ridiculous, Tone. It's not, and the reason why it's not ridiculous is because. I'll give you a, I'll give you a prime example. What is LeBron James great at? Exactly. He's he's my he's not example. great. He's, he's not great example. at anything. But you know what? He's really good at everything. everything. Yeah. He's not he's not okay. He's really good at everything. And you can't say that you're really good at everything. You might be great at one thing. You might even be great at two things. You're not great at everything. He's really good at everything, and that's what makes him. That's what makes the difference between him. And a lot and, and all the and, other guys. And when you can do other things really well, if they take away one thing, that's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I had this conversation about Curry and Magic. I said, look, if you take don't get me wrong, it's not easy to do this, but if you take away Curry shooting a three, mm-hmm. you know, like granted, when he doesn't have players around him, we saw the Raptors do it when you know Clay got hurt, KD got mm-hmm. hurt, the box and one. What well, you got two guys on you, you can't shoot a three. Mm-hmm. Well, now what else is he gonna do? Right. Because he doesn't do, look, I know there's other things he does well, but I'm saying, whereas Magic, well, you know, Magic could shoot the ball from the mid-range. He could pass. He could play defense. There's those other things that make it okay. Like, just think about, if you if you take away LeBron, I don't know, coming inside, well, he can shoot the three. He can play, yes, make, he can, can pass the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other, he can get on the defensive end. There's so many things. So that's why I think a guy like Tim Duncan, although nothing shoots out to you, say, wow, he's the best at this. What couldn't he do? And that's why you couldn't stop him. Because to your point, okay, you got him stopped on the block. No problem. He'll just step out and hit a mid-range on you. And, and I'll do this all night. Pa- all night, yeah. yeah. I'll do this all night. I won't try to do anything extracurricular. Until you stop this, I'm going to keep doing this. That's who I, he is. You know, that always drives, it is interesting to me. If something's working, what, I, 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 I yell at teams because I'll watch, I'll watch the flow of a game and be like, I'm, I'm a little curious. You've been running – I know this is the most boring play, but you've been running this pick and roll for the first two quarters. You're up 20. No one has been able to stop it. So who stops it? Oh, you do. In the third quarter, you start jacking up threes and now you're losing. You were up 20 running that pick and roll all day. Why did you stop? I got oh, a line. Tony. Oh, it was getting boring. It was getting boring. I got one line, Tony. My, my one line is run it again. Yeah. That's my line. Run it again. Until you stop this, run it again. That, that That's who I am. And like you just mentioned Tim Duncan. For a decade, 10, 10, 10 in first to second place, I believe in the 10 from 1998 to 2008, he finished six times in the top five in defensive player of the year. Six times, right? In league MVP from 98, I think to 2008, I think he finished in the top five nine times. So we're talking about a guy who he didn't do anything great, but he did everything really good. And there was nothing that was going to stop him once he got this one thing going. He was not going to deviate from that until you stop this. That's who he was. Our center is going to be no surprise mm-hmm. because let's be honest. If he, I, I, I steal this from Kobe. If he had Kobe's work ethic, he's unquestionably 
the greatest player to ever play the game of basketball, the most dominant player to ever. The only thing was he's one of those guys, like you said, that he knew that he was better than everyone else. He was bigger. He was stronger. When he came into the league, people forget he was fast. He could get up and down the court. You know, you didn't want him dribbling, but he could go coast to coast for a guy that was seven foot two, 200 and whatever, almost 300 pounds. It's in, at some point Shaquille O'Neal, you know, as great as he was, as many accolades as he has, could you, you imagine he actually could have been better. Think about that for a second. He could have been better. And to, to your point, I asked the question, Tom, what's the, what's the narrative on a guy today running around that's tearing down backboards? That's, that's flattening stanchions. Like, what, what, how are we talking about this dude today? And, and, and that's what was going on then. We had a guy who you had to eat. He, 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 wasn't, he didn't have a bevy of moves on the block. But what he was was he was just brute force. And there was nothing that you could do about it. Ask, you know, Chris, ask, Chris, ask Chris Dudley <laughs> what he, he could do. He... Right. He was just brute force, and there was nothing that you could do about it. I said, when I watched, of all the things, of all the games that I've ever seen him play, that series against Philadelphia, and I said, I don't care if he ever wins another league MVP, wins another NBA championship. What I saw him do to Matumbo, I can watch that all day, every day. I loved every minute of that and that's and that's not a scrub that's one of the no. best defensive centers of all time he was a defensive player of the year that year Shaq destroyed him Shaq didn't Shaq didn't play well he destroyed him in that series but the problem that we have is exactly what you just got finished talking about him just showing up we have a guy who you know Tony never led the league in rebounding not one time never led the league in blocks one time and considering he never did those things he still was awesome <laughs> And, he, and let's be honest, he could have. He he, right. if he put his mind to it. He easily could have, you know, let him blocks, rebounds, heck, and probably points in the same season if he really put his he could, effort he into it. He could have absolutely done that. After the year he won the league MVP, which is the 99-2000 season, led the league in scoring. He was second in the league in rebounding. I think he was third in the league in blocks and he averaged almost four assists. And that's what was expected of him from now on. It's like, okay, Shaq, you should be 30 and 15 on a regular. We've seen Jabbar do it. We saw Chamberlain do it. And you just as good as those guys. So you should be doing that too. And the problem that we had with, with, with Kobe was Kobe looked at him like, why are you not showing up and doing this? You know how good we could be? You know, the, 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 I really you, think that that is what started the divide. That was the divide. The, the divide, because I remember seeing uh, interviews with Kobe afterwards. And he's like, you MFR, like if you would have just worked half as hard as I did, we'd have 15 rings. <laughs> you so we saw what Jabbar and, and, and Magic did. We saw what Oscar and, and and Jabbar did. And Kobe's looking at Shaq like, we what we'll have people forgetting about them, what what we could do if you would just show up and bring the work ethic. We that we Bob trust, Cousy, trust me, as a as a Laker fan, trust me, watching that just it it brought me joy and then it broke my heart by the end right all right second team i'm just going to whip through them and just quickly comment Uh uh so the the team is is jason kidd alan iverson lebron Uh james kevin Uh uh, garnett ben wallace so jason kidd again another like just true i got him i got jason kidd in my top five point guards all time yes i do alan iverson Mm -hmm. the most influential Mm -hmm. in the culture of Uh the nba absolutely right cool 
Made it made cool. It cool. Yeah. Made, made it cool to be yourself. Hey, listen, you had a Greek kid wanting to get cornrows. That's how cool Alan Lars was. <laughs> Think about that for a second. So a Greek guy who want to get cornrows. Yeah. That's how influential Alan Lars is. That's how yeah. Uh LeBron James, obviously, he's only on the second team. Let's be honest, because he doesn't get drafted to 0304. You're right. First couple of years, he comes into league gangbusters, mm-hmm. obviously. Kevin Garnett. I think I underestimate Kevin Garnett. I don't give him enough credit because I don't like him. That's why. Just you know, so I I, I admit that I probably get out your feelings, Tom. Get out of your feelings. I know, I know, I know. I just I don't. uh, So, Uh, Ben Wallace, Ben Ben Wallace, an undrafted player to make that much of an impact, and you know, is he? I think he's either. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame, Mm -hmm. right? Because of defense, Mm -hmm. undrafted, only plays defense. Hall of Fame. That's when you work hard. Mm-hmm. Right. When you work hard at your craft and you say, hey, maybe I can't do everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be the absolute best at one thing. Mm-hmm. That's also a way to get it done. Four time defensive player of the year. Crazy. Third team. There's a lot of good players. Uh, Chauncey Billups, Dwayne Wade, mm-hmm. Paul Pierce, Tracy McGrady, Amari Stoudemire. I love Stoudemire, man. I was a, I was a huge Stoudemire. When him and Nash was running around during that time. I mean, I. Him and Nash are one of well, him and Nash are one of, let's see, I think it's seven guys in the history of the NBA to be first team all NBA as as a duo. He's one of there's seven duos, and they're one of them to be first team all NBA. A lot of guys can't say that, but Nash and Stoudemire were both first team all NBA. And Tone, you know how I am about NBA, all NBA and MVPs and all the I take that stuff very seriously. That's that's a big deal. If they would have had more playoff success we would have been seeing a lot more fast-paced three-point shooting teams mm-hmm. um, because they let's be they were the first to really do it in volume mm-hmm. and you know i i know i get a lot of grief for saying curry didn't change the game i, I like i say i think curry's domino three or four these mm-hmm. guys are domino one or two because yeah. they had a guy on their team and i'm going to draw a blank on on his name unfortunately but who's who back then was putting up eight threes a game they had Steve Nash, who was putting up five, six, shoot, and yep. shooting, you know, forty percent. You talking uh, about Barbosa? That's what you talking about. Barbosa, there we go. They, talking about they were, they were Jack. They were mm-hmm. shooting threes before it was cool, and and in the regular season, wow, it worked. Mm-hmm. They needed to find a way to make it work in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, Tracy McGrady. Um, I'm just gonna say on him because he's one of those guys. If it wasn't for injury, he's like Grant in that Grant Hill conversation, in that uh, Brandon Roy conversation. If it wasn't for injuries, he's a. Also, I think if he stays in Toronto, there's a great article in Slam where Kobe, this is when Kobe was with Shaq, and they asked him about him leaving and going to Orlando. And he says, Oh, that was great. They go, What do you mean it was great? He goes, If it wasn't, if it wasn't for him going to Orlando, it would have been Lakers Raptors in the finals at least a few times. <laughs> because him and Vince together, the way that they developed, whew. Mm-hmm. although I do you think he's a Hall of Famer though? Not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, had a, I had a really big problem with him getting in first ballot and Dominique Wilkins not being nah. first ballot Hall of Fame. I had a huge problem. That that means something to me. I, mm. I don't know if it means something to everybody, but first ballot means like you are the best of the like. That's the thing. I think too many people get into the hall, and I think the one way to at least distinguish the truly elite mm-hmm. is to say only they get in, you know, first ballot. Mm-hmm. Cause, and then maybe they get like a little emblem or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like 
you know, LeBron should be a fir first ballot. Jordan was a first ballot. Uh, Bird, Magic, first ballot. You get that little distinction, and then you can be like, okay, here's the Hall of Famers. Yeah, but here's the first ballot Hall of Famers. I right. think it should be special. I agree with you. Honorable mention, we talked about him. Vince Carter's another one. It's interesting. I get a lot of grief for this. And this, he's more athletic. He is like uh, a better shooter. Mm -hmm. He is just as good in terms of uh, defense ability, not intensity, but ability as Michael Jordan. But you would mm -hmm. never compare the two. It nope. shows you the heart and desire and an instinct that needs to go in, even as an, an elite NBA player, to go from that one, like that there's tears, even with the greats. Because what couldn't Vince Carter do mm -hmm. on the basketball court? Well, Tone, I'm going to name, I'm going to name some people and you tell me where Vince Carter falls. So of that decade, the best two guards, Bryant, Wade, Richard Hamilton, Brandon Roy, Vince Carter. Where does Vince? Where, where does Vince Carter fall in that line? Where he should be is where right after be. right after Kobe is where he should be. That's what I think he should. I th I thought Vince Carter was going to be right there with Kobe Bryant. Yeah, like that's it, it, but again, that's that intensity. That look, he's a really nice guy, and he had a really good career. Uh -huh. It's just so we could, you know, I'm not knocking him. Like he did way better than I could have done. But but man, if he would have had just that killer instinct, I think he's almost too nice of a guy. Which yeah. I guess isn't a bad thing, but you want that guy that maybe he's nice off the court on the court. Maybe it would have been great to see him. So he's yeah. on an honorable mention as well as Ray Allen, Carmelo, Pau, mm -hmm. Manu, mm -hmm. Dwight Howard, Yao Ming, Chris Bosh, Elton Brand, and Gilbert Arenas. Mm -hmm. Any of those honorable mentions that sticks out to you? Agent Zero. I think that Agent Zero derailed himself because had he not derailed himself, I think that he would have been on either that second or third team, no question about that, because he was definitely one of the best guards in the game during that point. We're talking about a guy who was like 22 and six, and he was just a nightmare for any defense. I watched him put 60 on Kobe. So he was, he was, he was taking that Washington team to the playoffs regularly. The problem that they had was they kept running into LeBron in Cleveland. Otherwise, I think that they would have went further. Um, He's probably the one guy that sticks out to me because Gilbert Arenas was hell. He was hell to deal. No doubt. I love the guys with the best nicknames too. Agent Zero. Agent come Zero. Like, come Absolutely. On. That, that's got to be on, on one of your lists. All right. Southwest Division. Mm -hmm. Now, before we jump into the Southwest Division, remember Fluent and Chill. We're here two times a week. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the episodes. We do an NBA, NFL edition and live on TikTok. Taking your questions Mondays at 8 p.m. live on TikTok. You can find that either on mine, which is sports underscore fluent, or Chilltown32. Chill We're taking out some of the vowels, though. You'll, you'll, you'll find it on TikTok. Trust me. It, it, won't be, it won't be hard to find. It won't be hard so. to find. Uh, so here's the Southwest Division. We'll start, at, we'll start from the bottom. And I don't think there's a team. I don't think there's a city that had a worse 2021 than Houston. With, with what happened with the Texans, what happened with, you know, James Harden make, making his way out of there and the Rockets, man, it's been, Houston's been, it's been a tough year for Houston. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make sense on what exactly the plan is, because as of right now, they don't have a franchise player. They don't have anybody to build it around. Who is our guy who we're building this around? They just got this kid, Jalen Green, but we don't know who he is. All right. 
what's the story with John Wall? What are they doing with him? Are they going to? We all thought he was. Yeah, we all thought he was going to get traded. I and and that didn't happen. Um, then you got Christian Wood, who I was a big fan of Christian Wood before he got hurt. He was on his way to being the most improved player. Mm-hmm. So the problem that and and. and the problem that we're having with Houston right now is they don't have an identity. We don't know who these guys are and they're just trying to find their way. And because they're trying to find their way, they're stumbling and losing James Harden and losing Chris Paul the way they did. And that team just getting dismantled how it is. It's bad business for Houston. It's going to be like that. I don't think that they're going to be in last place in the Western conference or next to last place in the Western conference like they were last year. But I don't. I, I think it's bad business for Houston this year. I'd be surprised if they won thirty-five games. I I, I disagree with you. I think they're going to be sub twenty wins. Um, so you think and, they're going to be straight trash? Yeah, I, I I think maybe even purposely, right? Get another draft pick because that's how they're going to build this team right now mm-hmm. is is through the draft. So they're going to be a very high draft pick again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd be I'd be surprised if they win over twenty games this year mm-hmm. because the West. Listen, the West's strong as yes. as it always is, but you know you've got these teams coming back. Um, next up is the New Orleans Pelicans, who I don't know if there's, I hate to say this, I'm sorry, New Orleans, I, I love you as a city, but that might be the worst name in the NBA is the Pelicans. Um, and the team itself has, I don't know, I don't know what they're doing either. Well, let me ask you this question, Tone. As a franchise, who was the, who was the face of their franchise? It was Lonzo. Now it's now it's Zion. Zion. They I think that they have their franchise player in Zion. They do. They're building it around him. Now the question that we need answered is, what else are you guys going to do? All right, Brandon Ingram. I think that he's a star. Losing Lonzo, you don't have a floor leader now, and now you get a new coach in there. Who I like this guy. I like Willie Green. I think Willie Green knows the game. He's been around for a long time. The problem with New Orleans is that there isn't any stability in the front office what they did do which is to your point tone you made this clear they hired stan van gundy realized immediately this is the wrong guy and they fired him fail fast they Get didn't need, yep. they, they didn't continue on and go yo let's work this out nope this is not the guy we screwed up let's take let's, let's get rid of him now does that suggest instability within the organization maybe but what they've proven is all right we're getting on with this and we're not gonna we're not going to stay bad because of our coach. We're going to yeah. get somebody new in here and we're going to start over. Now, what they have to continue to do is they got to continue to build within the front office and they got to show that they know what they're doing because you can't have two bad hires, Tone. You can have one bad hire, but you can't have two you, bad you've hires. You've never there. seen a successful team. You'll never find a successful team that has turnover either in the front office or at head coach. It, it just consistently. Yeah, you just. Pick any team throughout history. The mm-hmm. only time they really get good and stay good mm-hmm. is when they make that, they turn that thing. You know, yes. I, we talk a lot about the Raptors. I know you get a lot of Raptors questions, so I'll bring them up. Just think about them in the early years. Different Fact. coach, different GM, different coach. What happens when they say, hey, the, Masai was actually there. He leaves, he goes to Denver. They bring mm-hmm. him back and they say, you're in charge. Whatever you say goes. Mm-hmm. And he's been, guess what happens when you have a guy like, oh, guess what? Now they're consistent winners. Now they're mm-hmm. rebuilding this year, but... You see that consistency in that team. Right. Look at the Knicks. The Knicks, new coaches, new teams. It never ever works when you don't have that stability. I still don't think. Listen, it's the first year of this coach, so I don't. It's not there yet. I have questions about Zion. Mm-hmm. I think people want him to be one thing, and I think he's another. Um, Ingram, yeah, I'm with you. I think he's a star, but what has 
again, I look historically. What has New Orleans done that would make you think they're going to build a team around these guys without, the without them leaving? Boxed in the front office. That's what they've done. So, so that, so unfortunately, they're going to be right where they were last year. They're probably going to win unless Zion stays. I also think Zion's an injury risk, right? We, but I think they're the same thing. They're the 30, 35 win team, which mm-hmm. keeps them, I think, just outside of the play in. Mm-hmm. San Antonio is an interesting one because we've never really seen in, in recent memory a bad San Antonio team. Well, and last year, 33, 33 and 39 losing record. Pop had some a little bit of turmoil at the Olympics. Is Pop is it time for is it time for them to just wipe the slate clean? You think? How you feel about Houston? That's how I feel about San Antonio. I think they're going to be super whacked on. I think that what they have going on there, I think the best years, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Ginobili. I think those and, and losing DeRozan, and now we're starting with a uh, Pirtle guys like that and yeah. Colin. well just think just who's gone jamar uh sorry aldrich is gone derozan is gone patty everybody's Mills is gone. gone everybody's gone everybody everybody's gone so they essentially are starting over and they starting over with guys like collins from portland and purtle and murray who i like murray i like but murray. i like i like murray but. I, I like murray too but i think that the game is passing pop by i know that they won the, the gold medal but i think it's about that time where we're getting close to pop wrapping it up where it's, it's time to call it a career. I'm not going to say that he's over, but I think we're getting close to that time because players are starting to tune him out. And I think the game is changing for him. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised, Tone, if San Antonio was at the bottom, not just at the bottom of that division, but at the bottom of the Western Conference. Of the West. mm-hmm. Memphis is another interesting one. Um, they, you know, Memphis is, is interesting to me because even when they're good, I think – there's there's always something even when you say oh they're really good defensively they're really this they're really that they just never seem to get it done is this is this year they make a jump well you got to take into consideration too tone that you know these guys are kids this job this is third we're going into his third year uh jaron jackson jr he hasn't shown that he can hold up which is the difference with him i mean if he could hold up just like i love dylan brooks who broke his hand. So he's going to be out for a while. Yeah. So it's always something with them. Now you traded, um, Valanchunas, you traded for Valanchunas, which is, I mean, that's a big deal. He's me second in the league and rebounding. However, tone, the problem that we have in it. And I didn't even talk about John Morant, who I think at some point he's going to be a top five point guard in the league. Right. But these guys are kids, man. And they have to show that at some point, we can figure it out. And that's where they're going. And they haven't been able to figure it out. They Once they get healthy, because I think Dylan Brooks, he looks to me like a better version of Tony Allen. That's what he could be as a defender. And not just a defender, as an offensive player. But the problem is... You love, is that you he, love your Canadians. Oh, man. I didn't know. I, I, Lou yeah, Dort, Dylan. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know. I, it, I just found out not too long ago. I didn't know Dylan Brooks was Canadian. You just And, and I didn't know Jamal Murray was Canadian. I was yeah. like, really? I, we got, some, I we got to, some players up here. Yes, you do. I did not know that. I did not know that Dylan Brooks was Canadian. I just found it out recently. But I look at this Memphis team, and I think that they're going to be right around the play-in tournament. Which, and I'm going to say this for the people in the cheap seats: I hate the play-in tournament. 
I don't I, like I, I, I hate the play-in tournament. We can say it together because I hate the play-in tournament. I hate the play-in tournament. You have a play-in tournament. It's 82 games. Yeah, 82 games, exactly. That's it. That's your play-in tournament. If you can't get in the playoffs by 82 games, you shouldn't be in the playoffs. A 10th place team is not a playoff team. That's it. But that's neither here nor Listen, there. I, it's different. It's different. If it was like baseball where only the top team in each division makes it, and I know they've changed this since, and then you had a play-in tournament like the wild card to let it mm-hmm. – different. You've got eight teams – out of 15, so more than half already get in. Why 10 is two thirds? Why do you need two thirds? Uh, the 10th yeah. place team in the Eastern Conference is not a playoff team. That's no, not agreed. It, it, it is not a playoff team. When I look at Memphis, Memphis is I got them around the play in tournament. I think I got them around seven, eight, nine. And the question with them is going to be health and maturity. That's more than anything. And if yep. these guys can become that and I think that they can make some noise in the Western Conference. Absolutely. But they are the class of that division as of right now. I've got them from contending, like, like, hey, they're a playoff team. Mm-hmm. I got them – it's it's a it, I, a little spin on an old saying. I think they're a year away from being a year away. Uh. <laughs> I, I think they need – I think they just – they need to – or bring in a piece or, mm-hmm. like I said, I just – those guys need to – they need to – a couple more years, but they need that time to, to develop. So yep. they need to – so I hope – that their front office, their training staff is actually developing those players because there's a mm-hmm. lot of talent there. The last team, I'm so disappointed. I'll just be honest. I'm so disappointed in the Dallas Mavericks offseason. Mm-hmm. You have a player like Luka Doncic, who some will say is an MVP candidate. Some will say he's you know on the verge of being a top three player in the league. Some people maybe say top two. Some people knock him a little bit. But you have a player who's clearly very talented, mm-hmm. who's going to be in that conversation for for an MVP for years to come. And I don't think they did him any favors. I don't think they built a team around him that would make his life easier. Well, I disagree with that tone. And the reason why I disagree with that is because he hasn't used Porzingis as well as he should have. We got a guy who's 20 and 9 whose production goes from 20 and nine in the regular season to 13 a game in the playoffs. Why am I only averaging 13 and six in the playoffs? Well, I think that has a lot. I think that's largely due to the ball sticking to Luca's hands. Now, when you have a guy who's in Porzingis, who was able to hold up and stay healthy, because that was the difference. That was why that was the difference the year before when they were in a bubble. That's why they ended up losing because if, if, if Porzingis doesn't get hurt, I think they beat the Clippers. I think the Clippers are out. Now, Lucas seems to be difficult to play with. And I think that watching him last night, which, by the way, you and I have had this conversation, Tone, about the, the preseason where we really don't. I cut that game off last night when they went up by 50. I was out. I can't believe that I even was entertained in watching that game. They was up by 50. I don't know what I was thinking. But that's neither here nor there. I think that Luca has to get other people more involved. Well, you know, Luca averages nine assists a game. Yes, he does. But the basketball sticks to his hands more than it should. That nine assists could be 11. It could be 12, considering the playmaker he is, right? And that can open up so much more for their offense. And the one thing I found out playing with big guys, Tone, once you get them involved in the offense, guess what happens? These dudes rebound more. They block shots more. They run the floor more. They do more. They, t- they tend to run a little bit faster and jump yeah, a little bit higher. Yeah. Absolutely. When you're involving them in the offense. But if you don't, then you have guys like Porzingis that's sitting around thinking, you know, what exactly am I supposed to be doing here? You know, should I rebound? I'm not involved in the offense, so I'll go get it off the 
back. Well, so it, it's it's a very confusing it's a very confusing dynamic with those guys. And if Luca can be, I, I think that if Luca could turn the corner and involve his guys more, I think that Dallas can make a push. I got, I think I got the. So does he stay? Anywhere. Does he stay? He stays point guard, but you want to see him be more of a facilitator than I, a I do. black hole. Yo, he shouldn't be averaging thirty six a game in the playoffs. My point guard should not be averaging 36. I mean, that looks good for TV, but guess what happens? There's the door. We're not beating nobody with my point guard averaging 36 a game. It's just not happening. You think Porzingis is a legit number two on a team? Because that's that's my thing. Is I, I think he's a I think he's, he's your three, third option, I'm saying. I, and I, that's why I say I don't think they did him any fair. I think they need someone else because maybe Luca feels he needs to score. And I feel like if they needed they if they brought in another scorer and said, hey, be a facilitator, or I don't know that this is ideal. Bring in another playmaker. If he wants to score, if he wants to score 36 a night, great. Let's bring in someone else then to distribute the ball because, you know, you're right. I hate players. I, you know, I refer to them as the abyss or the black hole that once they get that ball, that's it. They're they're that's shooting it. it or turning it over. That's what's happening. But, but I do feel like that, though, Tone. I do feel like that with him. The problem with Porzingis has been health. If Porzingis can stay healthy, he is one of the better young players in the game. At 22 and 8. 20 and nine Porzingis can absolutely fill it up and rebound. The question is, is can he stay healthy? If he can stay healthy, I, I do believe he's a legit number two. Okay. All right. Well, um, that's it for this week of fluent and chill NBA edition. I'm Anthony K of sports fluent. And I'm here as always with Jermaine of chill town hoops until next week. Take it light. Take it. Get the full Sports Fluent Anthony K and Friends experience. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sports underscore fluent. What does it mean to be truly fluent? Support us today for exclusive content, direct one-on-one chats, answers to your questions, and best of all, every quarter, a lucky supporter will be chosen to appear on Sports Fluent and receive some great swag from Boardwalk Los Angeles. How can you support us? Go to anchor.fm slash sports dash fluent slash support.